Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, CBDs are everywhere, right? Everyone's talking about them. And it's a topic that I get asked about all the time. Bottom line on CBD, although there are way more claims made about them... The clinical evidence right now, it's not all that clear, but many people are using it and reporting great results, and they are very encouraging. So I want to first define exactly what I'm talking about here. CBD is cannabidiol, an extract from hemp. While you might associate with marijuana, CBD does not cause reinforcement. It is not the reinforcing component of hemp, but it is what's responsible for the calming or some of the relaxing effects that many people experience, not the high. Now about the products. There are a ton of them on the market today. For getting the vast array of the reported health benefits, it's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards. Not the hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is described to you so you can make an informed decision without all those promises that are probably too good to be true. Like I said... The reported benefits of CBD by individuals using this are very compelling. I'm excited to see how things develop as the science catches up with this booming industry. As usual, the public is ahead of the science. I can't make explicit claims yet, but boy, the reports are pretty encouraging. So if you're ready to try CBD, I encourage you to check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com select. That's on my site, drdrew.com S-E-L-E-C-T. And for a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with the code Dr. Drew, D-R-D-R-E-W. Again, drdrew.com slash select, and then the code D-R-D-R-E-W. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around again for another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob. Hey, man, how are you? I'm good. Good. I want to get right to it. Oh, yeah. You've been telling me. Uh, Danny Baldwin. Here's the thing about our former clients when they're doing good. If you never hear about them, they're doing good. (laughs) Well, I heard about Danny. I ran into him in (laughs) New York City. In New York City. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so happy to see you. Danny Baldwin, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm I'm so excited to do your show. That's so cool. I mean, you got a new Dan Baldwin on your hands. That's what you said. And uh, tell us about your show at ESPN. Well, you know, it's interesting for me, the experience of how the show came about. It actually goes back in a way uh, to my early days with both you and Bob. Uh, In this circumstance, I'm now finally on the other side of the continuum. My children came to visit me, my daughter, Avis and Finley, who are 10 and 9, and they were in the car with my fiance Robin, and they said, well, you know, it's just a little scary 
when I'm in the car and mommy's speaking funny and walking funny. Mm. And so I didn't know what that meant when Robin told me. And I sat my daughter Avis down and I asked her, um, why do you think mommy is speaking funny and walking funny? And she said, well, because she's drunk. So my ex uh, was drinking and driving with the children. And I now have, have custody. I was given emergency custody of the children and to be on the other side now to see what Alec, Billy, Stephen, Beth, Jane, my mother, people like yourselves, you know, when you watch me spiraling, um, to be on the other side of that now and be the one that's sober and saying, please get help, please do something. It's quite paralyzing. It really is. It, but it, but it, it, it's, it makes you grow too, right? I mean, it's scary, oh, but, but you grow oh, as, a, as a caretaker. Oh, for sure. It, 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 you know, having that in my life and looking at it uh, from the other side, um, you know, I can fully now understand why, you know, even members of my own family were like, yeah, you need to get it if you want anything to do with me, if you want to be in my life. Because I had, I have siblings that are sober and have been sober for decades. So I never quite understood what I, I kind of felt in my using time, like they were turning their back on me until I realized that you have to do whatever you need to do to maintain your sobriety. And for even my brother, Alec, who looked me right in the eye once and said, you wanted me to have you over my house while you were using cocaine? I don't have anybody in my house that uses cocaine. No one. Uh. And, and hit this, hit the strength he had to keep his sobriety, even while it was breaking his heart that his younger brother was still out there using, you know, that, that's a testimonial to what it takes to keep your sobriety. But I, and that I, was something I wasn't able to do at the time. I, I love something you're saying, though, about the perspective of the addict, which is the addict's perspective on the people trying to help him are either you're abandoning, you're abandoning me. me or you're controlling me. One or the other. Yeah, it's a, no, for sure. It's one, for sure. It's one neg- negative point of view or the other. Never. You're just being there for me to try to get me to, to get it. But you use the term get it, which I love. How did you get it? You know, I, I I don't think I can I can really pinpoint it to one particular time. The last time I used, I had never been afraid of the drug itself. You know, I, you're going to die. You're going to this, and and I'd seen so many you know consequences from the law to health problems, but I never actually sat there. And I remember I went down to the Marina del Rey Hotel because it was way down by the water, and I was always worried about cops and people noticing that it was yeah, me one, and so that's on. A, Drew, that's a good drug hotel. There's one road in and one road out, and you can see <laughs> it, it. and you can see the road. That's so funny, Danny. I was just there a weekend ago doing an intervention at that same hotel. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Well, I, I, I did something that was uh, that friends of mine that, that used would laugh at. I would call the manager of the hotel, and I'd say, you know the drill. I have to have the room directly across from the room I'm staying in. So I would rent two rooms because when the dealer would come, I'd leave the door open across the hallway and stand <laughs> the people watching. And the money would be under the pillow. He would go in. He would leave the drugs under the pillow. He'd leave. And when I saw him leave, I'd count to 20. Run across the hallway, grab the drugs, and run back in <laughs> It's like, I, like, like one of those fish that live in a hole. Come up and grab the, grab the yeah, And, and <laughs> that, that became a popular drug hotel because it's walkable from Exodus, the old famous rehab that Dr. What was Murphy did, had. Oh. In, you can walk from – here's David the thing. Murphy. Daniel, you were doing the same thing. 
So you could leave Exodus. There was every bank in that neighborhood of Marina del Rey. So whatever bank you had, you could go to your bank. Then you could walk to that hotel, check in, and wait for the drug dealers to come. Wow, for sure. <laughs> I sat on the edge of my on the edge of my bed. I was forty five years old, and um, I did a big hit of cocaine, smoking it, and I felt my, my entire left side of my chest get tight and pain radiating down my left arm. And I immediately recognized it as pre-cardiac arrest. And so for this drug addict, um, I had, it was one of those old, old, uh, clocks up by the bedside that had the, the, the flaps that flipped over with the number on it. The same yeah. thing, the same thing they, they, like in Groundhog Day, when you'd wake <laughs> up every day, they think it would flip. Yeah. The numbers would yes. flip. Yes. So I sat there and I surmised. I would load another hit of cocaine <laughs> into the pipe and I waited until 30 minutes went by and then did another really big hit, felt my entire left side get numb, oh, geez. felt the pain in my chest. And I just sat there waiting for 30 minute intervals, oh. thinking that if I spaced it out, when I finally ran out of that, of that amount that I had, I, the, the pain was not subsiding as quickly. And I thought, all I kept thinking about was I didn't want my kids to read that I died in this hotel. And so I went through my telephone uh, contacts and I reached out to a few different people. And uh, um, I reached out to Greg Hanley, who is uh, the uh, CEO of Soba. Soba. And uh, he came, he came and picked me up and, uh, and I was taken into rehab. I did 127 days inpatient and 18 months uh, in sober living. Wow, um, congratulations. And, and that was November 22nd, 2006, and uh, I still am sober. Wow. And, did and you go to Texas, or did you stay out west? I stayed, I went in Malibu, um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was, I think that the, the biggest thing for me you know, and, and this is something that both of you can totally relate to because of your experiences um, on celebrity rehab. When it's an actor, entertainer, or somebody else like that, you have so many other things that you can build in. I guess, I guess the regular person that's that's a high profile attorney or something, but you know, I couldn't go to meetings because I didn't want people to see me there. Right. I couldn't this, I couldn't right, that, I couldn't right, this, right. and certainly I was never of service. Right. And I found that being of service was the key component yeah. to what had been missing in 25 years of trying to get sober before. Um, I, I was never willing to really be of service. And that comes right down to doing the coffee, doing the chairs. You know, I, I spend a vast majority of my time now going into people's homes and doing interventions and doing different things. Uh, and, and a lot of people go, wow, what a great guy you are doing all that. And I say, you know what? Go ahead and read step 12, because if I didn't do it, I probably wouldn't stay sober. I'm doing it mostly for myself. Yeah. You know who used to say really? that? DJ AM used to say that. He, he just yeah. he, he did something for me one day, and I was like so grateful. And he goes, no, 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 no. Is this, how I'm, this To me, being of service to you today is how I stay sober. So shut up. Well, I, have a theory <laughs> of, I have a theory of why it's so novel nowadays. To be of the, service? Yeah. The humility uh. of making – I don't think it was that much of an act of humility for Dr. Bob to make coffee at a church in 1940. Yes. But right. nowadays it, it's just like, oh, my God, your mother Teresa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because everybody's so self-obsessed and narcissistic. And I can tell you, Danny, I work in treatment every day. 
the the never had a job 22 year old still lives with his parents is as narcissistic as the rock stars and movie stars i've dealt with yeah. it's narcissism across the scale no one wants to make coffee you know what i mean well time, yeah. times have definitely changed and i think i'm guilty to an extent of wanting my children to have better than myself um, the access that you have because of these devices that we mm. use to, to communicate with each other mm-hmm. has definitely shrunk the planet and and, and advanced these children uh, greatly. But I, I will say, but where um, is you it know, advancing them? Because Drew and I were talking about before the show about my, I have an eight year old. Where is it advancing them to? The place of non functionality. <laughs> <Not, not, laughs> well, I'll, I'll say. I'll say. Um, you know, I, when I when I tried explaining to my daughter doing a book report, the Dewey Decimal System and, and going to a library right. and so on, when she looks at me and goes, bang, with two clicks of the phone, yeah. and she's in way beyond any information I have access to. Yeah. And the friends and the and the information, too. You know, my, my 10-year-old uh, was on, you know, doing like a musically, the site that they do dancing and they mm-hmm. have friends and so on. And I happened to look down at the image while she was taking a shower of of putting her clothes in her room. And she has this, um, she's on the site and she's in this little like kind of gymnastics outfit. And I clicked the button to look at the dance that she was doing. And it was full on Madonna doing Vogue, you know, (laughs) my my 10 year old. And she's got 297 friends. And I said to her when she got dressed, I said, can you come down for a minute? And I showed her the video. And she's got her hand going across her and doing very suggestive. She's 10. I know. When I was 10 years old, I did not think. I was playing baseball, throwing snowballs and doing, you know, I mean, they they are way further advanced, you know, in in their knowledge of what goes on in the world now. And I I blame a lot of it to do with these devices, which is why I banned them from using them. Oh, good. Well, that's that's the interesting thing. Steve Jobs in the in the book about Jobs a couple of years ago didn't allow his children to be on them. Yeah, like that's crazy. If you want help with that, I got a good website. It's called dcakids.org. Oh, no, I got the shortcut. I tell everybody all the time. You go, Daniel, you go and disconnect the Wi-Fi and then act like there's a broadband outage in the area. We just get bad. We get bad service. <laughs> Well, I want the kids to have a, have a voice and I want them to learn uh, certain things. So I'm one of those sit down family room and we have, you know, meetings and, and the, the hard part for them to get, uh, and they've accepted it more now that they've been with me for two years is that, um, I want to know your opinion. And at the end of the day, if we have a difference in, 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 in what we want or what we think is going to happen, Ultimately, this is a dictatorship. It's not a democracy, right. and I will make that decision but for you. We were talking, about that, I, before, I, we were talking about before the pod, and, and Bob was saying the school and the community comes down on you for as exerting your parenting yeah. responsibility. It's weird. I had a judge in the custody agreement say, well, uh, obviously, Mr. Baldwin's house has more structure at this time, but I will Whoa, I'm whoa. so strict with those kids. And I looked at this woman and said, Man, there is so little discipline anymore now, comparatively. Yeah. I mean, I look at things my own children say to me. My father would have backhanded me. We're talking about that before the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we got to delve into this now. This is a sign from God to talk about it, Okay, too. all right, go ahead. Okay, so I have eight-year-old son, Elvis, and he he talks to me like I'm equal to him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? 
And it, last night he was rude to, to my wife in the bathroom and she came out and said he was in the bathtub. And I said, I went in there and I just said, I spoke like my dad, like your dad, like your dad. Listen, this is my house and you don't speak to adults like that, right? Yeah. He started crying. Then what do you do? This is a world that's made Dude, wimps Bob, out of all children. <laughs> I, but I would argue that you're being a wimp by, by being affected by the crying. Let him, oh my let him God! Cry. We're all wimps. Let him cry and regulate himself, and just go. Look, I don't like this. I don't want to hurt you, but hey, I didn't. He, this will not be tolerated. This will not be tolerated. Do you know what I'm talking about, well, Daniel? Have you had well, those things? It, it, yes, but but remember something: fear is a core emotion, and there's a certain amount of fear that's healthy. Yep. When you when you sense something, when you hear a crackling noise in your backyard. No, if you're a 17-year-old girl, you should not take your your pajama ass out into the backyard to go investigate. That's why you call the cops. So, you know, when, when my, my ex or, 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 or one of the teachers once said to me, well, you know, if you, if you instill fear in your children, I say, I beg your pardon, my child should fear me if they've done something wrong yes. because there's going to be consequences. Yes. That doesn't mean I'm going to punch my kid in the head, no. but that means a, a healthy amount of fear – of consequences due to your actions is absolutely what there I want. There is no that. fear. That's he's touching on something, Drew. Yeah. Fear is bad. Fear could get you. CPS could become over to your house if your children are in fear of you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, yeah, it's getting to a crazy to. point. It's getting to a crazy point. So, hopefully, cooler heads are going to prevail because there is a movement that's kind of crazy that's in Brooklyn where they have a playground where children, you have to sign a release and the, and the children go there and play with hammers and saws and oh, no adults but, but, are allowed. But understand. Have you it, heard about it? I have. And in the same neighborhood, there are parents that refuse to tell their, use the word no to their children. <laughs> refuse to use the word. In the same and neighborhood. Punish but at least there's some parents, there's some parents, you know, it's almost and I'm like fearful that it's the same parents. <laughs> no, I think so. I think so. So the kids can go in and bash their heads and stuff physically, but in terms explain of explain what this, the playground is. It's just a place where they can go be kids and just and just. And but there's, there's no, nails and yeah, hammers yeah. And, and, and and there's no one going. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Put the hammer down! Oh my god! But but those same. I kind of do that, Drew. But, <laughs> but but understand, Bob. Part of part, out with that thing. part of what that is is an unwillingness to say no to the kids ever, ever. And punishing caretakers and school and school uh, and teachers if they dare to say no to their kids, right? And so I think that that's what creates the new Mach two drug addict, Daniel. <laughs> so so you and I grew up in conditional love households, you know, no most of the time. So you didn't even ask and just went behind everybody's back and did what you're supposed to do. When we got to treatment, we knew what we were doing was wrong. We were ashamed of it. We felt guilty about it, but we couldn't stop. And then that's why you get stories like Daniel's and mine and all of our friends from that generation. Mm -hmm. But we all knew it was the solution. It was the answer. It was right. We just couldn't do it or wanted to argue details about it, right? This new generation doesn't even know what we're talking about. Right. That's what's scary. Are you saying this? And you can teach... You know, it's not like I'm not open to learning new things as a parent second time around. But here's a great for instance. Robin, can you come in one sec? So here's the, here's the song. Here's the song. My kids, when they, when they don't grasp 
the meaning of no. Because, 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 because no means no. It doesn't mean ask me again. It doesn't mean maybe. I've been very clear in my description of when I tell you no, and we've sat and discussed it, and I've heard your opinion. Now, ready, Rob? Can you do the no means no song? Ready, go. Hey, hey. Uh, okay, the no means no song is no means no, no means no, no means no means no means no. No doesn't mean ask again. So I have my children in the car. Wait a minute. No, no means no. We got to teach that song. This this is good. I'm going to send send a meme. I would need a meme. Beautiful. No doesn't mean maybe. And and there's intervals where it goes. No means no. No means no. No means no means no means no means no. And I go, and it doesn't mean maybe. It means no. It doesn't mean ask me again. Means no. And I think we sing it. I'm going to start that today. It's fantastic. That is but it makes it fun. It makes it fun for them. Yeah. To, 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 and they remember it. They do. Well, so and, and it makes it, had, they sing it in the car with me the 10 times now that I've gone on a trip and I, we sing the song. Then I turn around and I, when they do something and they ask me and I go, no means no. No <laughs> means no. And I don't have to say, I told you no. Right. So it's delivered, it's delivered in a fun way. And they smile back and they go, okay, daddy. Yeah, it's a spoonful of sugar, but more importantly, and this is what I like about it, it takes you out of it. So you don't have to get angry. It's not them disobeying you. It's just the message of no means no that they receive from this song. Song, yeah. Exactly. One of the one of the, the most problematic parenting issues is parents. I mean, imagine you before your spiritual journey trying to exert you know parenting on a group. You would be you'd be angry. Oh, he has experience with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, if I if I if there were cameras, the access that they had my first round as a parent. I, I remember my older daughter came out. She was probably eighteen. She had a license, and she said, "My brand new Lincoln Mark Eight. And she said, "Can I take it out? I've got some friends." And I said, "Sure." I never even thought I would have to say. You know you can't drink and drive. Well, she was an hour and a half late, didn't call me, came came with, with the car, pulled in my driveway. And when she got out of the car, she slipped. And it obviously had, you know, four or five drinks driving my car. Yeah. I took, I, and this is my, my oldest daughter. I got one look at her and I went, have you been drinking? And she looked at me and said, oh, God, Dad, I knew you were going to. And not her throat, but her shirt and her jacket. And I shot my hand out and grabbed my child and pulled her into me with my fist under her chin. And I said, if you ever effing drive that car again. And today I'd have been locked up. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'd have been locked up. Now I'm not saying that reaction was the best thing I could have done, but man, you can't do anything like that anymore. You can't. Nope. You can't. We have some. And I got to tell you something. She never drove a car. With, under the influence of alcohol again, never. It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> fear, once again. Let me ask you something. From the time you went to your first rehab till 2006 when you got sober, how long a period of time was that? Because I have these, these kind of measurements and yeah. theories. Oh, gosh. That. I went the first time. Was in... it Exodus and Marine Del Rey? No, no. I went the first time. Um, to the Hazelden Clinic. Hazelden, which, Minnesota? Which if, in Minnesota, in, in Center City. And if you think going to the Marina Del Rey Hotel from Exodus was bad, check this out. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. 
but there is a bar. Yes, I walked to it. I walked to it. <laughs> I did that, Daniel. I okay, did, did that. You, did, did you do the coin? They, it's a lie. They, they didn't know what I was talking about. I got there at like 10 or 11 in the morning. They didn't know what I was talking about. Tell this story. There's a myth okay. at okay. Hazel. Right. No, 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 no. It's true. Oh, he did friend. it. If I, you go at night, so, I heard. So you went at night. So I went at night, and there's a bar. It's literally like hundreds of yards off the Hazel in Center snow. City, Minnesota. <laughs> and, if, and if you walk in and identify yourself, as a Hazelton graduate, and give them your coin, your graduation coin, you drink free all night. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. But I <laughs> oh went during the day, God. and they didn't know what I was talking about, and then one of the guys there said, it's really only a nighttime <laughs> thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that offers no good during the daytime. Yeah, they don't know. You know, you know why? Because you can drink all day and night. And right, right. And probably the police but coverage. But I different. walked in. I was thinking that was going to happen. And I walk in. There's a lady bartender and just like two guys there. And I said, I just left Hazelden. Give me a drink. Oh, my God, Bob. You were, you were, Bob, Dan, Daniel, whatever. Daniel did it, too. I know. Daniel, whatever you were, Bob was ten times worse. I promise. I was around that. Just, just, just be grateful for one thing. Bob and I didn't know each other back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he hung, he hung with the the, oh, the best of them. <laughs> I was in there with a, a, some the, sober, a some late high. actor that's just, it's really oh, sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so what year was that that you went to Hazelden? In the 90s? That was in 89. Oh, I was there in 88. Oh, my God. We almost could have been roommates. Uh, what yeah. was your unit? Cronin? Schumacher? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. I, 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 I knew. What was... Uh, one of my best ones was what was Dallas Taylor's uh, place? Sobriety by Marina? the Sea. Sob- sober Living by the Sea. So- no, no, no. It was the something. Ho- it was in the Marina Del Rey Hospital. Yeah, that's Exodus. That is that's, Exodus. That's the one I'm talking about. I was in there yeah. eight times. <laughs> I, I was in there. I was in there with, um, am I allowed to say people's name? I guess I should be careful. Yeah, be careful. Um, it's yeah. weird because yeah, be when they're dead, um, you don't want to say them. And then when they're alive, they could come after you. Yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah, I was in there with a guy who looked like Sonny Corleone. <laughs> <laughs> and, like and a I gambler guy? Got, like a gambler no, guy? No, don't say anymore. <laughs> yeah, I said enough. You got it. So, um, I, I went in and I I had a big one of those big round pipes I was smoking cocaine out of and it was so resonated it was like a half an inch thick throughout the whole pipe. So I took the pipe and I stashed it in the shrubs outside the window of, of one of the rooms. And sure enough I ended up getting in that room. And every day when you know, once a week the gardeners came or anyone, I would look down and make sure and I could just see the stem of the pipe. I'm in there for 30 days. <laughs> and, when I, and when I got out, I walked out with my bag, limo waiting and a coat hanger so I could chip the stuff off the pipe in the limo. <laughs> I wasn't a block away and I'm banging away on that. You know pipe. what? Listen, listen to me. That story and the giving your chip, giving your graduation yeah, yeah. thing. I hope you tell those stories when you do interventions because that shit resonates for people that are early. They, they knowing that how you know the, you know yeah, where that. you've been really helps them tr- start oh, to trust yeah. you and calm yeah. down. I, I, listen, you do a podcast for potentially millions of people. I have I have no qualms about it. Now, I don't tell. I don't hold back. I tell them exactly where I've been, where I where I'm. I'm M now and where I'm going. Yeah. See the M here. Here's the thing. The, the way you're supposed to, 
talk about things is what happened, what what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Yeah. And too often, the art of storytelling has been lost in America. What happened is the most interesting part of well, the story. It, 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 it's it, not like now we got sure. kids and now we're no, no, sober. Sure it is. It that's is. not. That's always the same. And the beginning go- is always the same. It's the middle that's unique yeah. to the person. That's right. And and it's and the the. The end sort of goes without saying because you you come representing your recovery, right? Yeah. That that's done. They got they get it that you're recovered. They're not they're interested in can I trust this guy? Does he really understand what I'm struggling with? But what and happened is how the they me trust. too. Now, Bob, you were zeroing in on that period from '89 to 2006. On average, for an alcoholic, it takes five years and four treatments to get one year of sobriety. On it took average, me nine years and twenty-four treatments. Yeah, and well, you guys were you guys were uh, sort of you were beyond the, st- the standard alcoholic. But let's take a little break. We'll be right back. Well, it's hard to believe a year has passed since one of the worst cold and flu seasons on record. But here we are again. So, if you happen to catch a bug. Uh, the one thing every doctor will tell you is stay hydrated. Proper hydration eases a lot of the symptoms of many of these viral illnesses. And sports drinks, water alone, is not the issue. You need to be aggressive. You need something like Hydrolyte, full fluid replacement. Hydrolyte is this oral rehydration product you've heard me talking about. It's better than anything out there. It delivers the right balance of sodium, glucose, and water, providing up to four times the electrolytes sports drinks can offer, all with 75% less sugar. So think about that. It's like taking an IV by mouth. But my favorite thing is at the convenience. I'm always on the run, so I use the effervescent tablets. You just drop them in a water bottle or even a glass of water. I literally never leave home without them. No one in my family does, for that matter. And because Hydrolyte is appropriate for all ages, it's perfect for the little snowman amongst you when they come home from the school, perhaps sniffling. Hydrolyte comes in great flavors, orange berry and hot lemonade, available in a pre-mixed drink, a powder, or, like I said, those fizzy tablets. I love those. They go everywhere. Come in a little tube. Every package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. Order your supply today at hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. For a limited time, you can save 30%. We use the code at checkout, drdrew18. That's Dr. Drew18. So... Either click through on our banner at drdrew.com or go to hydrolite.com slash drdrew and then use that code drdrew18. And we're right back again. We're here with Danny Baldwin, of course, and uh, we were talking about how how people get from one place to the other and the, the struggle, you know, the how long it takes to get it. The, the get it concept to me is the most interesting thing of all. And We got company. Uh-oh, yeah, we a, got. Is, is there a dog? Big Jet. Oh, look at him. Oh, my God. They're so cute. What is he? Hello. He's a 210-pound English Mastiff. Oh, show him again. Show him again. I want to take a picture. Come say hi, Jack. Come say hi, Jack. Look at that boy. Now, I have the two most famous dogs in the world this year, Uh and I don't say that kidding. Robin took Rufus, our other Mastiff, and she was trying to teach Jethro when he was only four months old how to sit. If you Google later on, dog teaches brother to sit. Oh my God. It is, it is me filming Robin trying to teach Jethro when he was very little to sit. And Rufus takes his paw and pushes Jethro's <laughs> back down and sits him. Wow. The sec, the second time I said, come on, do that again. He didn't really do that. <laughs> the second time he does it, he puts, his paw on his back, sits him, and puts his arm around his shoulder and holds him there. Oh. So she says, let's put that on like America's Funniest Home Videos. And I said, Robin, don't. The definition of a viral video is 50,000 or more views. I said, I promise you, I've never seen a dog do that before. Don't send it. Behind my back, Robin signs all the paperwork and sends it. 
gives away all our rights to the video. Now oh, guess how many views it got? Six 20, million. Twenty million. Yeah. Seventy-six million oh. views. <laughs> the monetization of a of a one minute video beyond a million is like six cents a video <laughs> per view. That's four million dollars. Oh, I'm looking God. at Robin going, oh, yeah. Robin. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Yeah, there you go. And, and does uh, wait, the young one is Rufus. Rufus is the older one. Yeah. Jethro. 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 Does Jethro know how to sit now? Did it work? You know what? Jethro can do whatever he wants at 210. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I, like, so let's talk about dogs now. So right. we just got a bulldog for Christmas. Yeah, right? oh yeah. It's going to dog school. Cool. Chrissy's very on it. She makes him sit on the thing. I was home last night without I just let him do whatever he wants. Right. Well, this is, this is you know. <laughs> well, you know, I've told, I've told a lot of young couples before. And I've also, you know, one of the big things that comes up for me in, in sobriety when I'm helping people are the relationships, you know, yeah, uh, if they're already married, that's a different, but, you know, uh, wanting to get, be involved and have a partner and in that first year, they talk about it being very, very dangerous. And it's very true. You, you really want to focus on your sobriety yeah. and you really want to take care of yourself. That'll come in time. Yeah. But for those that have that in between, they, they've been dating for a while. The girlfriend, let's say is supportive of the guy. And they talk about getting married or having children. And I say, do yourselves a favor. Get a dog. <laughs> get a dog. Yeah. Get a dog together, and I promise you, ninety-five percent of how you interact when it comes to the animal is exactly how you're going to be as parents. There you yeah, go. that's right. One's going to be the go. disciplinarian. One's going to feed it. One's going to let it run, do whatever it wants. The other, exactly, mirror image. And uh, addict and early recovery, not a good pound dog. Not a good dog uh, parent. Oh. But but Dan, I want to hear how more. Is, I want to know how the dogs are pooping when there's four feet of snow outside. <laughs> Listen, bro, you got to go back and then and ask Drew to show the videos of my plowing in my tractor at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you yeah. want a smooth path for those dogs. They need cow <laughs> Well, speak of that. Talk a little bit about. Talk a it little rained about. a little bit, and I was beside myself. No, I, know. I can't imagine when there's snow outside what you do. Talk a little bit about your ESPN show in Syracuse. Well, so uh, the reason why I did the show, I, I used to be, I took Tom Arnold's place on Best Damn Sports Show, period, when I was in L.A. And I, I'm a big sports enthusiast. I played sports in college. And um, when I got custody of the children, uh, a lot of things changed. I moved up here because my mom's 90 this year. And, you know, we really wanted to spend more time with my mother. I would only see her a couple times a year coming from California. Now I see her all the time. And, and we're spending that quality time that, you just, I'm never going to get an opportunity to do this again. But lo and behold, I suddenly get the children full time. And I had to figure out ways to keep busy and make money uh, while I stayed here in Syracuse. Because I can't just go off and do the usual three or four movies for, um, you know, I needed to do something here. So I, I was approached by uh, the owner of ESPN Syracuse with the idea that, podcasting and possibly turning into a TV show. So I've been at it for a year now and it's, uh, it's the, the most downloaded podcast in, in ESPN here in uh, upstate New York. And I'm looking now to turn it into a TV show. Nice. And, and he, cool. he, he was in New York with his spossy and it, it's, there's a, there's a whole parallel universe of Syracuse fans. That is intense. <laughs> oh, Wait, it, what, in, what game was it? it? Was Syracuse and 
Uh, I don't remember back in Connecticut basketball, or something. Right? Yeah, it was basketball. Yeah, UConn. UConn. Yeah, Connecticut. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I just went down. When I get that itchy, weird feeling, we lost to Georgia Tech, who we should have beaten. And we're on our way down to Duke. And I loaded up the truck and brought a couple of guys and cameras. And sure enough, we upset number one Duke at Cameron Indoor last week. And I was there doing my show from the game. It was great. Perfect. I heard about that. Yeah. What is the coach's name at Syracuse again? Jim Beheim. Yeah. Um, is he going to chime in on this leadership stuff? You heard what what uh, the Kentucky coach said about uh, Kyrie Irving and all this leadership stuff of 19-year-old leaders. That's what Lonzo Ball is, huh? Is that right? You know what I mean? And so the guy from Kentucky, uh, like, I, I don't know. There's, there's college basketball is creating the lack of leadership and, and fully rounded basketball players in the NBA. Now they're criticizing it. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, I think, I think it's gotta be one of the few things in the world. And, and a lot of people don't like that. I say this, but I say it because in the long run, I believe this will prove to be um, what will we'll even the, the, the floor on these issues, pay them, pay Go them in pay college, them. right? Pay them in college. You know, when you look, Notre Dame last year was on national television, eight or nine games to the tune of 80 something million dollars to the university. Do you mean to tell me after you pay the coach and you pay for their education that it comes anywhere near 80 million dollars? Of right. course it doesn't. So the university is making a tremendous amount of money. And the average quarterback or running back, even in a Division One A program, is never going to see the light of day in the NFL. So you're making hundreds of millions of dollars during his career as an athlete in your school and giving him a $50,000 education. How is that fair? Yeah, it's not fair. But let's go to the basketball side of it. Because what's happening is – when when you got the one and dones out of Syracuse, out of Kentucky, out of Duke, out of these mm-hmm. major schools, they're going to get drafted. Nobody knows whether they can play or not, and it's 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 taking down the quality of the NBA because you only have fifteen spots per team, right? And they're betting right. on all these kids that are washouts. Even the top ten draft picks are washouts, right? Something has to be done. And I think, you know, the Kobe Bryants and the LeBron Jameses and the Kevin Garnetts of the world are anomalies. They're, they're freaks of nature. And you know it when they're in high school. Why not just let them go to the NBA and let the college basketball be at, at, at least minimum two to three years you play college basketball and learn how well, to play? Well, and, and so what did, what did the NBA do to offset that? They opened up the G League. So they got a, a holding p- ground that you can go run around and mature your game for several seasons because you left college and you're no longer eligible. Right. And then they turn around, they put them on this league and send them uh, into oblivion for $36,000 a year. Yeah. And they wait to see if they're going to, their game is going to rise enough. You know, uh, the, the, it's, it's really difficult to say you got to either let the NCAA tell them they can't go anymore. Listen, the NFL does it. You can't play. One year in college, you go to the NFL. You got to be. You got to go too. So, so you know, if they were to pass that kind of law, uh, if for basketball, I think that they would uh, they would probably flourish more. Um, remember, too, basketball is the most elite team sport professionally because of sheer numbers. Hockey and baseball have twenty five players. Football has forty five players. Basketball has twelve. 
Right. So only 12 guys are on each team. That's a very elite group. Well, there's three that you can float off, right? There's But but the point is the sheer sheer numbers you're talking about the the I mean the best of the best. Yeah, the best, it, the best. It, it, it's it's less than half. Yeah. So Right. And that's what makes it all so special these the walk-on kid with the Knicks uh, that get, didn't get drafted begins with a T Teasel or whatever. Yeah, amazing yeah. story. J- uh Jeremy Lin, amazing stories, right? That they were walk-ons and made it in the NBA, Drew, the most yeah. elite sport crazy. Crazy. in the world, yeah. right? Yeah. But I feel sad. I, like now. I feel I like sad now. for all these kids that are not getting an education, think they're going to be in the NBA. Agents tell them they are. Yeah. They don't get drafted. Their washes out. They wash out rather than get their education at Kentucky or Syracuse or Duke. They're... But what sense does that make, Bob? Think about something you just said. You're you're a college basketball player. You are not allowed to meet with. You are not allowed to sign with. You are not allowed to have any contact with an agent before you declare your your eligibility know, over a college and you're going. And that's one of the stupidest rules they have because an agent would tell a kid like Tyus Battle, who was number one in the ACC in scoring and almost left Syracuse last year. He gave him. He, he didn't take an agent. But he went to the to the to the camp, the combine, and didn't play well. And they warned him, "You're not going to get drafted, probably, or you're not going to get drafted in the first that, round." Dude. Why can't he have an agent and have the agent say, "You idiot, go back to school. You're never going to get." Drafted. I mean, these are the guys that would do that, right. but they won't let him. They think that that uh, protects his amateur status by not having contact with an agent. No, it doesn't. At least a kid who's 19 who has no clue how the business works on his own, trying to make that decision, knowing right. that. You know, look at this kid Beasley, who he 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 withdrew his scholarship from Syracuse because LeBron James got him a job as an internship with New Balance for a million dollars. That's not collu- <laughs> that's not that's not collusion. Wow. He's an eighteen year old kid making a million dollars as an intern at New Balance. Oh God! So you're right in the belly of the beast. You found your spot, your niche. I knew you did. So I've got Sports. questions coming in on on Facebook for you guys. Right. So well, here first we go. they were complaining you were looking at your phone, but I, I'm very proud of you for looking at the feed. I, I know. I figured out how to do it while I, I didn't know how to do it. I figured it out, <laughs> and then they they're complaining. This I want on next podcast. I want to talk about how people are so judgmental and they think they can read people's minds. They're 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 slamming me for being on my phone when I was just trying to track down this Facebook feed. What they're saying, here, so I can see what they're saying. <laughs> No, so, well, you are. So know, anyway, but... uh, here's a, here's a good question for us, and we kind of hit on this, but uh, you don't get... like basketball, also. So I'm not a giant. Well, yeah, you know, was, he's not a big like... basketball no, fan. No, no, football. We talk about something. I'm more football, but, it, but but I know these two guys are into it, so I let them geek out a little bit. But um, the need for continued treatment, even into years of sobriety, depression, anxiety, trauma, people thinking that they just go to twelve step. Well, that's all we talk about. Is there's a difference between recovery and full recovery? Uh, that sometimes, as you go on years down the road, you discover, oh my gosh, these trauma issues really are heavy, and I'm having some mood problems. You got to you got to use those services that uh, any of us have to use to get our mental health together. And anything like that for you, Daniel? Well, I. I... Without getting into details, yeah. although I know you know, I had some definite traumatic abuse stuff in my childhood. Um, and uh, I would say um, anyone going into, I, I would venture to guess, and, and I don't know if this number is accurate, but probably over 80% of those people that have substance or alcohol problems have an underlying issue of some kind. Sure. That would, they, they, so you can get meetings and you can be of service. But if you're never going to address those underlying issues, 
they'll be with you forever. And and it, this goes more towards your quality of life, you know, yeah. uh, putting those yeah. things in, Good point. and coming to whatever terms you can with them. And, you know, when you, when you cultivate the ground and turn it all up, you do it to plant seeds for hopefully for things to grow uh, and for there to be life. So, but, you know, but, I look at, I look at doing that kind of therapeutic work uh, sure. that I did with, uh, do you remember Dr. Gerald Rosansky? Rosansky? Uh, Rosansky. I don't think I know. Because he was the guy who who took Steve Howe, the Yankee pitcher, who was the first lifetime. He was a Dodger pitcher too. Don't you be claiming the Yankees? (laughs) Yeah, but well, well, the the Dodgers left as soon as they left New York, my friend. But 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 I would argue, Daniel, that none of that none of that can get done till you have the humility and that spiritual transformation that that is I see in you. I see it. And I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. That you talked about being of service. Is there is there more to be said there? I mean, because that what that transformation is like. I, it's so it's so when we get to see it, it motivates us to you know keep going. We keep keep helping people, and, and we also know we and have we, confidence that the worst of the worst can end up the best you know, of the, the best. best of the yeah, best. right. And, and that's what yeah. keeps the whole system yeah. going. But to categorize people like you and I that fail for five, six, seven years as these. Uh, you know, people that need to be on harm reduction or oh, replacement boy. therapy mm, and boy. just put us in limbo. That's the, yeah. really the ultimate kind of decisions going on yes, right now. Right. Right. You know, I give a simple um, analogy for this and, and, and you can tell which person you are. There's the person that drives down the road by the golf course and sees a turtle in the middle of the road. There's people that don't do anything and run it over. There's people that swerve around it and would, 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 you know, make sure they don't hit it. And there's people that pull over and pick up the turtle and drag it to the grass to make sure that it survives. Uh, and not, I've always I'm not drag it to the grass guy. I knew just yeah. when you said that. I'm a, I'm a drag it to the grass guy for sure. So I think it's, what, I think the rest of the world is running over. <laughs> well, people are in a real rush. They don't even notice the big, you know, turtle. That's and, a great you know, analogy. Say, there's, there's just different types of people. Um, I became a consistent drag to the grass guy when I got sober because I, I, I had to learn how to be that person that I really am. Yes. And, and you, I was, and I was somebody else when I was using, I wasn't me that I would never have done many of those things that I did. I did some really shitty things, you know, stuff that I still today, when I see a reference to someone I knew or stuff, that, you know, inappropriate things I did with women, you know, and I don't mean, illegal force myself but promises i made and relationships and things that when the whole thing was a scam you know i was just using and i was using them and you know i i i have famous friends you know that i i you know i'll never forget one of the first times i made an amends a long distance amends with my really really good friends on long island and i had i'd gotten involved in a financial situation where i was less than impeccable and I, it was years after I was sober, and I specifically flew to JFK, took the train out, got in a cab, went to his door. I knocked on the door at 8 o'clock at night, and his wife came to the door, and she looked at me, and she went, does he know you're coming? And I said, no. Is he home? And she said, uh, yeah, let me tell him you're here. He walked to the door, and he looked at me, and he said, what's going on? I said, and I gave him, I'm so sorry, and I'm sober three years now, and I really just want to say I was inappropriate. And and he went, are you done? And I said, yes. And he went, and slammed the door in my face. Mm-hmm. 
That happens. Now, mm-hmm. I left there knowing that I didn't have to carry that on my shoulders anymore. I had made my amends to him. It didn't change the circumstances. And for him, he wasn't willing to accept it. But that was a very, very difficult one for a long time for me to swallow. But I'm not that person anymore, so I've forgiven myself. There was an episode of uh, Ray, the Ray. Uh, was it Ray? Or was it Mark Marin or Louis C.K. or something? Where where Louis goes to make amends to Mark Marin? I forget who show it was. And Mark goes, uh, you, you, "You did this about a year ago. Get get, get out of here." <laughs> it's like I, I don't, no, that was in like, that that thing. What's about Ray? That name of that show where the guy is an alcohol alcoholic in recovery. What was the name of that show? Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Right. So, so, but year, it's been years since then. That was uh, 10, tw- 10 years ago. Yeah, that was like, Have you heard from like, him yeah. since? Did, I actually saw him. Because things a, get better at, over at time. Yeah, you know, we, we have a tendency as human beings uh, um, to forgive. Sometimes that takes some time. I never got a chance to hear him tell me how he felt about it, which I think would have been. Uh, quite helpful in us moving forward. But, you know, there's some bridges you burn and some you scorch and some you incinerate and some, you know, so, right. uh, yeah. you know, there's, there's different levels of, uh, of burning. Oh, guess who just showed up? Number oh, two. look who's there. Look at that. That's, 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 big that's the big guy. Wow. wow. Big guy. Yeah, you want to say hi? You say hi, everybody? So is it true that oh. Mastiff's... What? Mastiff's... You want to talk? <laughs> you to speak? Ooh, talk to us. You're going to say? Give you want to speak? Woo, woo, woo. You got to talk? <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, big man. So is it true, Daniel, that they don't have a shutoff switch and they'll just eat themselves to unconscious? You know, um the English Mastiff is a fascinating animal and why I bonded so well with them. Do you know much about the dog? No. A friend of mine had one that just would not stop eating. You had to keep the food locked up. It would just go, go, go. So if we decided to put a swimming pool in the Pinsky's backyard and we dug up, we dug up that pool and we found the bones of a horse that had never been seen before. That would be quite the find. I mean, we're pretty sure anthropologically, we know the heritage of a horse and we can trace their bones throughout time. It had been speculated that the St. Bernard was the original large bone dog of the world. And here we go and open up King Tut's tomb and there's etchings of English mastiffs guarding the pharaohs on the inside of his tomb, which rewrote dogdom by over 2,000 years. <laughs> yeah. They had now found that the Mastiff was the original large bone dog of the world. Huh. The pharaohs traded Mastiffs with Caesar, and these dogs fought in the arena against fully armored gladiators, lions, tigers, and bears. And the Mastiff did not fare well because a Mastiff will only kill if its life has continued to be threatened. Mm. So it would rip a gladiator's arm off and then sit there and wait. If the gladiator didn't do more, the Mastiff would not attack it any longer. Mm. And the English found this during the Crusades when they were held in captivity. Quite The humanity of the animal was quite intriguing to them because the most significant problem that those who were landholders had was poaching of game. So they had to find an animal that could take multiple arrows, break the, the predator's leg, which a Mastiff was the only dog known to mankind that can break a human being's femur with its jaws. Uh. So the dog would get shot with two arrows, break his leg, and not maul him beyond recognition and sit there for days bleeding to death until you found the dog and the poacher and they'd expel the entire poaching family from the village. And that's how they became the English Mastiff. Wow. Wow. 
What a renaissance man this guy is. Well, I do that. I've always done that. I have always done that. <laughs> a compliment for Bob that came up on That's Facebook. awesome. I saw that. It's cute. Read uh, it. Didn't I, do you want to read it? Yeah. I, I just it? signed off it. I just, oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, Drew's getting tired of looking at Facebook. Did, what about that other question about Adderall? What's the question? No. Okay. So uh, Christine Casey wanted to say something nice to you, Bob, on Whoa. Facebook Live. Yeah. She said um, – Sorry, my mic's not right. Uh, Bob Forrest was there for me six years ago. I owe Aloe House Malibu for showing me how to love myself. This is the thing that sounds so easy yet so hard to do. I'm now an IOP primary therapist and getting oh, wow. back. I am constantly reminded of the need for camp- for compassion in addition. Yeah, I, So that's sweet. I, I just don't go. think you can love yourself until you somebody cares about you and you care about somebody else then you can care about yourself it kind of builds on it yeah build bob no yeah. oh. you know bob and, and, and true is there any satisfaction i would say um that 90 days when they're getting ready to leave and you see the mother turn around and walk up and go thank you so much for giving me my daughter back yes, you know that the that one and and also i love popping into a random meeting and seeing some dude that eight years before, you know, I, I did the intervention right. or whatever. Th- that's and the I, part. I, and I'll tell you about Danny, the, the, the part that the, my version of that is I see the guy that I kicked out of treatment eight years ago right, yeah, who's yeah. now getting his Ph.D. in psychology or something right. and says, thank you for doing that. I, I wasn't ready, but that got through to me. I'm like, that's that blows my mind. It's a pretty it's like building an army and we got to keep building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, no we're, we're a little discouraged right now because there's so many people that don't know what they're doing or screwing people up. Well, my profession has created so many addicts that people otherwise would have never been addicted, and it's just it's just a very troubling time. But it's never and, boring. And then, it's no, it's never, never boring. And then, and then what's happening to the millennials and their lack of meaning in life and stuff? It's just yeah. very difficult, very troubling. But one Danny Baldwin keeps me going for a long time. It's awesome. so it's That's good awesome. to see you, man. It really is. Yeah. At certain, hey, I, at it, certain times wrote, during I, the. Uh, during the last 10 years, I think all the celebrity rehab clients were sober at one point. Yeah. I'm not saying they were all remained sober. Well, there was that time when all of us were so, cause you know, I'm in that first year and we've lost a few. From, yeah. But uh, what I was telling yeah, you had a bad year. Yeah. But that, that no, was Jeff all. And who? Jeff and, and who? China. Oh yeah. China. Oh, yeah. China. Right. But that's both China, but China, Jeff, Mike, all physician prescriptions, overdose. They Benzos, were all yeah. benzo opiate, and they were not taking big amounts. They were taking sort of as so, you know the way an addict takes as prescribed. They weren't going nuts on it. Well, that's one of the most under under uh, talked about things. Uh, people don't realize, that particularly on the benzos, that they have a shelf life in your body of up to eighteen days, up to fifty percent. So when you're taking ten a day. 10 days in, you've taken 100 pills. 50 oh, of you've them ever, can still If you've be ever detoxed off them, you know. Yeah, that, right. That <laughs> and, and then you add the opiate in and then you don't breathe. And then uh, that's yeah. what happens. And that's what yeah, happens. So that's what we're and, up and against. And finally, people understand that. We, we, I, we begged Jeff and Mike not to see doctors. Remember well, but that? But it's so funny. We'd go to Jeff's house and we'd go, listen, Jeff. Listen, years ago when Daniel and I were going to rehab, all you were up against was the 18th Street Gang yeah. and the Bloods and the Crips. Yeah. Now you're up against Big Pharma, doctors, yeah. psychiatry, the American Medical Association. Yeah. There's way more enemies. But Drew- hey, man, when I walked into the doors... And, and, and I sat down in that room and was asked questions by Drew. Drew is a doctor. I mean, 
I walk in knowing uh, as the son of an educator that there's a tremendous amount of respect and trust that comes from him being able to hang that moniker on his wall. So these other people that we're talking about are going into doctors who right. are sending them with 90 pain pills yeah. for a knee surgery. Right. I mean, you know, I don't think their intention is to create an addict, but my Lord, pain, just like fear, is a healthy thing. You, uh, or, you're supposed it, to, yeah, Danny, you're supposed or, ordinary, to. ordinary misery. Ordinary misery is something that we need to get but, back to understanding is the way we but, grow. But, 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 but not just that, Drew. If you go in, let's take the stereotypical example. You have a back surgery. You're supposed to be go doing rehab for the knee, the back, the shoulder, whatever. Yeah. They tell you don't do anything for yeah. first three. Go to your first blah, blah, blah. If you feel pain a week and a half later, then stop doing what you're doing because right. it's too much. That's you're not right. ready to do that That's yet. Right. That's exactly but if you right. don't have that pain as an indicator, how do you know how whether you're gaining or not? To quell that with a painkiller for three months – Makes it actually works makes it worse. You. It makes I agree. It worse. I agree with you, but there was a philosophy afoot that was nuts, and uh, it was the same philosophy that uh, doesn't like to say no to their children. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but Drew, didn't you say on KBC recently that um, it's it's really getting cut back because of the laws? Oh yeah, we're getting better. It, it, oh it, no, the next because set of data. the real people that are in pain, like dying, uh, you know, of cancer pain, can't get they can't get their yeah, meds. I know. Yeah, so, but the so, people. All right, we're going down another podcast yeah, yeah, rabbit hole right here. I mean, <laughs> Let's just leave it all this happy. Is why we do our opium show? This yeah, the, ba- the data is going to be better. In a year, you'll hear improvement. You'll hear about significant data improvement. But Daniel, we're going to let you go. Love Thank you, you so much, my friend. Great to see you. Hey guys, uh, I, 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 I want to end with, you know, I've never had a chance with both of you together to tell you how much I really appreciate what you did for me. I, I really love you both, and thank you. It was we, fun. We both, it we, was fun. Yeah, we both had a real connection to you, and, and now to be able to fulfill that connection because you're – transformation it's just you have no idea you live so, you i live. heard about it didn't I, but now i've seen it that's right i'm seeing <laughs> i'm seeing an rv bob drew and daniel roadshow yeah, let's go show. save america your mouth to god's ears gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> you're right. out to god's thank ears. you guys all right guys see you later man all right, see you next god, time. Right, god bless you